thank you very much. Uh, just checking the levels. What have you done today? Uh, just been at work, mate. What's work? Contracts manager for a scaffold company. I've been at work every day. I haven't. I haven't not worked. So I've been out every day since day dot. Nothing's changed for us. But for the last year, John McNichol, something exists that didn't exist this time last year, and it is in my hand. How does it feel to be a published author? It's surreal, to say the least. <laughs> um, I still don't believe it's happened. Neither does anyone I know. They all think it's a myth, and it's not me. I've even read through the book many, many times and still can't believe that the words on the pages are what I've sat at the table scribbling away for God knows how long. And if it wasn't for the lockdown, I don't think the book probably would never even have existed. Yeah, you're not the only one. I mean, I uh, last April I had the idea of to promote my book, which, fun fact, fun news, has just been turned down by Bloomsbury. I sent it three years ago and I said, just following it up, maybe I should go to Pitch, who've published an ode to 442 football's simplest and finest formation. Just trying to see who did the cover because it is a brilliant, eye-catching cover. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty smart, isn't it? I can't take all the glory for that, I'm afraid. Um, obviously, the, the good folk at Pitch knocked up the uh, sort of the mock design, and I tweaked it here and there. But the idea of the Subutio players um, was a was a, a good friend of mine. We were sort of talking a, a, along the realms of remembering when we were children playing uh, Championship Manager on various uh, computers. Um, and just sort of remember having that sort of formation set up with a few arrows here, here and there. Um, and he, he, he said, what about knocking one up and using Subutio players? And I thought, well, that's a pretty good idea. And then I just decided to put each chapter's kit on each one of the players. Including um, sponsors, which is great. There's a Puma, four or five Knights, yeah. and Adidas. Equal yeah, I did, I did say to... I did say to pitch um, if we could just get the uh, the kits for the, the, like the, each respective team on there. I said that'd be good, and they, they've managed to get some of them with a few badges on, so that yeah. uh, makes it look looks looks decent. Yeah. You want to hear something fun? I won the Eredivisie with Ajax whilst reading this book. I think the two are connected. Um, I'd imagine so because I've I've been listening to music and also reading books and. Um, Sebastian Allaire has had a wonderful season, scoring a goal a game. Tim Krul in goal, mostly Dutch, a couple of regens. And uh, Have you read um, the Football Manager Stole My Life book? Yes, I did, yeah. Is that Ian McIntosh? Yeah, the great Ian, Ian McIntosh. Yeah. yeah. Have you met Cherno Samba? No, no, I haven't <laughs> met any of my uh, any of the uh, any of the old legends, unfortunately. I should really talk to one of them. Uh, what's his face? Mark Pugh. Kennedy Bakisioglu, the Zlatan. Yeah. Um, Ibrahim Bakayoko. Oh, yes. Well, f- fascinatingly, everyone who played football in 2001, 2002 is a legacy fan. And everyone who plays FIFA today is the market for the thing we can't mention. I'll try not to mention it. No, that's it, Because yeah. we're, this goes out um, the first week of May. Who knows what fun will have elapsed in the two weeks since... The twentieth uh, day uh, of yeah, April. I, what do you reckon? Say, it, it, it hurt my heart when uh, when the, the the message come through from Sky News on my phone on Sunday, 
I was sat in a sat in a drinking establishment with a couple of friends, and someone passed me their phone and showed me the notification from Sky News. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a, a very sad, uh, a very sinking feeling, so to speak. Oh, I've been preparing for this for ten years. In my book, I'm not here to talk about. I, I outlined that rather than change the transfer window, just create a do what you like league. And in my estimation i thought that the premier league would split off and play football on the moon as it is it's the i call it what did i call it the the serie superliga <laughs> serie superliga because it's italian spanish and english yeah. um danny finkelstein who is a, a chelsea fan uh who is in the house of laws has said that the super league is the new coke of sports do you know what oh. that implies i don't know if you remember new coke no, I don't think I do. No, I'm I assuming... think, and I, I guess that from your Twitter handle, which is the wishy, the wishy man eighty. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, who knew I was? Who knew I was going to write a book when I made that up? Mate? <laughs> no, New Coke was that uh, Coke wanted a product like Pepsi, so they taste tested it and they had they launched it, and they realised people only like to sip. Oh, and they not went the whole back can. to their old. They went back to their old uh, formula, didn't they? Yeah, it was a complete waste of time because there was already something on the market and. Yeah, I've I've worked for a big European football organisation. I've watched matches and commented on, bizarrely, Sebastian Allaire, because I was watching a lot of Frankfurt games. Um, and there are problems with the setup because it's not fair to have the fourth place team in England. Were Chelsea fourth last season? Or did they get in because they won the uh, UEFA Cup? No, they didn't, they didn't even make... Uh, because they're in that. Yeah, they must have finished fourth, yeah, because Leicester, Leicester dropped out, didn't they, at the last minute. Uh, yes, 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 yes. And of course, lest we forget, and everyone has, Manchester City thought they'd be banned for this season and the ban was reduced. Yeah, to a fine of nothing. Yep, to a fine of a couple of pennies. Um, but I, we've known, I've known, that t- top-level elite football is naff. Uh, as a Watford fan, I'm talking to you while Watford are playing Norwich City. Are you excited to see both those teams back in the top division, if it goes ahead? <laughs> I, I mean, look, it's the obligatory every other season, Norwich turn up, and then they're gone again, and then they're back, and then they're gone again. I think the only thing that changes is their kit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, Watford had a, had a fair old stump last time they was around, but they changed their manager more time <laughs> than they changed their underwear. Yeah, and I, I think the problem is just that we got caught out, and even though we the the lockdown didn't help, we in mitigation, Your Honour, but just the general we couldn't score goals. They should have sacked Javi Gracia before the end of the previous season, but you can't sack a manager who leads a club to only their second FA Cup final ever. So we don't know what state football will be in. Um, isn't it oh, weird that Paris Saint Germain, who have grown very close to UEFA, are the good guys? I know, yeah. Um, it, it did make me laugh when one of the first players to come out uh, publicly yesterday and say um, that he plays football for the love of the game, which was Ander Herrera, was the same Ander Herrera who turned down Man United's new contract offer to go and play for PSG for three hundred grand a week. I thought Juan Mata would be the first one to say something. A lot of footballers who tend to spend a lot of time on social media have all of a sudden disappeared sort mm. of at a time when most football fans really do need them to come out and say something well in all fairness um, to Mr Rashford he's got a book club to promote 
Well, look, yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's a librarian now as well as a as a dinner lady, isn't he? So um, he's got <laughs> quite a bit on his proverbial plate, yeah. Uh, on, so to speak. There's only one librarian, and that is me, although the library is for everyone. Uh, so I've started this idea for a football library, which is an imaginary library, but behind me to my left, there are, I don't know, 150, 160 books, of which your book, An Ode to 442, Football's Simplest and Finest Formation, is there. Uh, Norman Weinside has a copy. Has he read it yet? Uh I'm not sure if he's read it yet. He hasn't. Um, he hasn't mentioned to me that he has, but he has. He has a copy. I've seen it in his own hands. Um, I mean, that's the least I could do is uh, make sure he had one after that goal in 1985 FA Cup final. Ah, um, now is that the moment you fell in love with United? To be, to be honest, I was a bit young then. Um, I was. I'd have been five years old then. So I mean, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of people that say they've supported teams since. You know, since they were three and four and whatnot. But if I'm being completely honest, I probably didn't start supporting you. I started supporting United when I really fell in love with football in general. It was um, in the eighty nine ninety season, which was obviously the the famous Sir Alex Ferguson winning the FA Cup to uh, to keep his job. Um, and it probably started in the semi final stage when. My dad had been lumbered with me for the day because my mum had decided to go out. So he he went round his mate's house to obviously all watch the game. And I remember we went round there to watch it and there was a few of his friends and they were sort of all having a drink and whatnot. Uh, and I remember we watched the Liverpool-Crystal Palace game, which mm-hmm. was the 4-3 semi-final. And then United played Oldham straight after and drew 3 all. So the two games we watched were just an absolute feast of football. Um, which, like I say, just captured my my imagination. Then I just thought it was amazing. Uh, and then three days later in the replay, we battered Oldham 4-1. Um, and then obviously the final was 3-3. And then mm. that went to a replay. Um, and then about two weeks later was Italia 90. So by the end of that summer, I was absolutely drawn in and, and it never really looked back. So I was probably 10 years old. So I was, might have been a bit of a late starter, really, but... Um, well, yeah, I don't that's, know that's... because of the scarcity value of football. You mentioned in the book there was a blackout in the eighties. It went back on air in eighty eight. There was no European football for English clubs. I don't think football Italia existed until Gaza went over to Italy. So, really, being a football fan in nineteen ninety, even before Fever Pitch, was was very scarce. Did you? Did other kids at school support teams? I, I can only really remember a couple of. A couple of lads at primary school. I remember one lad supported Arsenal, and I remember one lad supported Spurs. But I can't really remember having lots of friends that supported lots of different teams. I think it was, I don't know, it, it never really, say, it never really caught my attention as such. And then, and then, all, like I say, as I, as I left primary school, and then you obviously go to secondary school a year later. You know, every, everyone's got a team, a team then um, who likes football. So it's all. Sort of, went hand in hand really um, yeah, I mean look I've been very fortunate that the team I've supported embarked on a period of success from day my day dot as such for, for a quarter of a century so um, I, I was spoiled rotten uh, in that sense um, obviously I'm feeling the pinch a little bit now but compared to a lot of supporters who support different, uh, different club sides um, I suppose it's uh, you know, it's par for the course, I guess. The one thing United have going for them 
is that heritage, the unbroken link to the 1940s, to what Busby started, to what Ferguson realised. And it's going to be very interesting to see the balance between United continuing their domination of the world, certainly North America. They really expanded into North America before anyone did. Liverpool did Asia. Man City seemed to have done the Middle East. PSG doing the Middle East. Arsenal seem to have done Rwanda. But they're, they're, it's a global sport, but you can't forget that there's a guy from Withenshaw who represents the club better than any Ander Herrera can. So when you, how did you feel when you woke up on Monday? I got in the car and started driving to work and they spoke about it on Talk Sport and it reminded me. I'd obviously forgot about it in the course of the evening and as soon as they started talking about it, it just, yeah, it just made me sad. Like, really, really sad um, because I just, I wouldn't even know where football would, if it, if it come to fruition, I wouldn't even know where football would, would end up. Um, you know, I mean, we, me and a friend of mine spoke about it after the news broke and said, you can't beat, even if your team isn't in the Champions League and another team are playing, you know, and there's a Bayern Munich versus Barcelona on a Wednesday night and you think, oh, that would be a good one, I'll, I'll tune into that. If that's every fortnight, it's not, it's just not going to be the same. Just not, in, not even close. I think we've already had this kind of ennui because how many Super Sundays can you get? How many times in recent seasons has Liverpool versus Man United been a crappy nil-nil? Too many. And that's supposed to be one of the marquee fixtures. But aside from the top six, um, there are wonderful players who naturally want to play in European competition. Buendia at Norwich, uh, who came through at Barcelona, I think, or was at Barcelona briefly, He wants to play at the very top level. Norwich are going to get a lot of money that they can spend on nurturing young talent who could play for England uh, and then buying people in. So Norwich is just kind of a micro version of what Man United are doing. And even Man United had to say, as you mentioned in the book, the the number seven went to Real Madrid. I don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, like you said earlier, it's going to be an an interesting couple of weeks. I hope that it gets quashed. Uh, and we can go back to some sort of normality next year with fans getting back into the stadium, which, you know, what you just alluded to of the of the Super Sundays as such in the last sort of 18 months has probably coincided with the fact that there's been no one there to, to watch the big games. And I think a lot of the players, when I watch football on the telly at the moment, just seem to be going through the motions, and it seems a, a sort of nothing more than a testimonial sort of sort. You know, it's not end-to-end with the crowd urging them on and screaming at them with five minutes to go to, to get a goal or whatever. It, it just seems, everything just seems a bit laboured and a bit laid back. And I do believe that without the fans in the stadium, it's, it's what we're being fed up. So hopefully, like I say, if, if we can get play, uh, people back in the grounds, um, the, the football might liven up a little bit as well. Is that what Kaylee thinks? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Did she have... Because uh, my partner has zero. Zero. In, I was trying to explain the importance of what Neville and Carragher were talking about last night and she, her face was blanker than a blank. Does, is Kaylee a Man U supporter? Was she before she met you? Yeah, she, she was a season ticket holder briefly oh, uh, for right. a couple of years. 
um, a few years back, um, but obviously with child commitments and, and 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 life sometimes getting in the way and living at the opposite end of the country, unfortunately these things um, um, can't always happen. But she doesn't watch every single game, but she she understands what's happening when it's on the telly and when I'm upset. So she'll know to leave me alone if Man United have lost or yeah. played very well for at least ten minutes after after the end of the game. But um, but no. She's uh, she does she does, she does enjoy some football. Who's her favourite um, player? It used to be it used to be Alan Smith. Uh, I'm not sure if it's how he played football or how he looks. She hasn't really gone into detail, so I'll just leave it at that with her. I think that's good. So I'm momentarily distracted because I live on a roundabout and there's been a crash. That is oh, more dear. exciting to me than watching the Premier League. Watching this roundabout, especially now that the trees are blooming. But I, yes, United, they're the Harlem Globetrotters. They are so rich. And what Joel Glazer, well, Malcolm Glazer, and then Avi and Joel have done in the last 15 years is that they've uh, franchised it. You're Manchester Reds. And no wonder FC United exists. Have you been following the FC United story and all its various political socialist machinations? I remember, I remember, when, it, I remember when it kicked off and it sort of gathered quite a bit of momentum. And, you know, a lot of breakaway fans said that they're never going to go back. Started this, started this club. I'm not sure if you'd call it a phoenix club as such, because I suppose it hasn't existed before. But they started this club and then sort of raised it from the ground, and uh, and obviously they've got to um, they got to a pretty decent. I think they're I think they're in, are they in the North, national northern league. Uh, yeah, they're, they're two below Vanarama North. Uh, yeah, so you know, I mean, they got up to sort of that sort of thing, and I, I think I think they've hit a bit of a glass ceiling now, unless they get some sort of serious Salford-style uh, investment. Yeah, I mean, you know, and obviously you've got Salford as well, uh, which have sort of come from absolutely nowhere, and uh, and with the help of um, some ex-Manchester United players, um, are now applying their yeah. trade in League Two, class of '92 so, FC. So yeah, so they seem to be doing all right. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me if there's uh, there'll be a few uh, few more going through their turnstiles next season if this mm. carries on the way it is. I hope so. But I I read a lot about Accrington, and I spoke to, uh, in fact, immediately before you uh, on Monday, I welcome Eric Samuelson, whom you may know. Oh yeah, the yep. ex uh, Wimbledon chairman, isn't he? Correct, and he has a book published by Guess Which Pitch Pitch. Yeah, and uh, I'm. Spoke to him at length about the joys of Wimbledon, and I think that's that's the model. I'd love to get to Plough Lane at some point because they run as a business, a business that you want to put money in, and they give you something back. Andy Holter, Accrington drinks with the fans. Portsmouth, I think the Eisners know what they're safeguarding um, because, and once they get the Cowleys going, they could be in the Premier League within a couple of years once they get some investment. But at the same time, the big teams have had their balance sheets hit. Uh, and the real victim of the whole year was Gunnosaurus. How do you think Gunnosaurus feels about the Super League? Well, I'd imagine he's probably feeling a bit hard done by considering that he was on the scrap heap for a couple of weeks until yep. Mesut Ozil decided he was going to pick his tab up. Yep, Mesut um, Ozil, another but... um, non-ESL fan. Mm. Um, but you know, there was a few players that come out yesterday and and said their piece. But in my opinion, they were a few players that were never likely to appear in the ESL. So it's easy to say, looking from the outside in, um, 
oh, I don't agree with it, if you're nothing to do with it, yeah. um, I suppose, again, it goes back to if if the players are going to stand up and be counted, because we're always told that the players have got the power now, um, you know, when, when they're handing in transfers and railroading clubs into contract negotiations and leaving and, and, and what have you, you know, we're told that the players have the power. Um, well, if they really do have the power, then it's down to them to, to make a show of force and sort of stand together and, and get it knocked on the head. But, um, you know, they, they can't have their cake and eat it. You mean the people who are employed to make these guys richer? This is, it is the purest form of capitalism and the history of football has been written and, and it's all in the football library. Have you read James Montague's book, The Billionaires Club, which everyone should read? No, I haven't, no. You've got to, you've got to. He, he, um, I've spoke to him at length here and I said to him, why exactly are China buying up the Midlands? Wolves, Villa, Birmingham. Uh, Villa were, but there's a oh. big, yeah, they've, they've invested into Birmingham's football clubs and plucky little Wolves and plucky little Leicester uh, owned by East Asians. I mean, oh. it's all right to make money. No one complains about making money because otherwise, how can you afford the shirts? Who would you support if you weren't a Man U fan? Who's your local team? Uh, my local team is Dover Athletic. Oh, um, wow. Which which brings me on to sort of a, a, a bit of a, a side story to the whole uh, Super League fiasco is that for all the money that's being banded about at the moment to join this league and you know and we're going to filter it through to we're going to filter it through to you know the lower leagues and the pyramid etc. Well, Dover obviously had to stop playing their games with two months of the season left to go because they couldn't afford to. Uh, carry out their fulfil their fixtures. The cheapest way for the club to carry on running without going into like you know sort of an excessive amount of debt was to pull out of the the rest of the fixtures and place all their staff on furlough, which they've done. And the Vanarama League have docked them twelve points for next season and fined them forty thousand pound, which is absolutely ludicrous when they haven't got any money. That's the reason they've stopped playing. When you're looking at the top end of the table and seeing all the the money that's being quoted in the paper, you know, three hundred million here, three billion there, um, and you've got sort of a local team that can't that have been fined forty thousand pounds because they can't fulfil ten fixtures or however many they had left, it, it sort of pales into sort of significance at some point. Yeah, it's waitros and corner shops, and I'd quite like, even though the product might not be as, and it is product. Uh, the product might not be as good at the lower level. I still get more of a frisson watching Wealdstone or Barnet or St Albans or Boreham Wood or, as I hope to do, Hem or Hempstead. I don't think I'll go down to... Well, I could go down to Dover. It's quite nifty uh, on the train if I go to Clapham and then Dover. Is that the way to Dover? No, get the, get the tube from Watford to St Pancras and oh, then St Pancras. Yeah. Fast trains, only an hour. Yep. And I expect to, uh, I'll, in fact, I'll bring this book and you can sign it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no and then, then it'll be on the shelf. So uh, before we d- do talk about this book, about 442, uh, in the acknowledgements, I've spotted a few familiar names to the football library. Um, Stuart Horsfield, whom you quote at length in the Brazil chapter, uh, Stephen Scragg and Dan Williamson. Have you read Dan Williamson's book on Boca? Uh, I haven't, no. It's one I'm... I'm... I keep thinking I'm going to buy it, and then I think, oh, I don't know, I'm not too sure. I'm not, I've sort of, I'm not, 
I'm not a massive fan of what I would say South American football. I mean, it's probably you know it, it would probably su- surprise me because there's a lot of players there that you've obviously heard of. Um, they they do produce good players at Boca. Well, you can try yeah, before you is. buy because I, I did speak to Dan, so you can have a listen. Uh, and if that piques your interest, yeah, it is a bit. It is a bit of a um, institution, isn't it? Uh, Boca sort of over there. Yeah. Um, I must admit, I have I have thought about it a couple of times, but I've got a I've got a couple on my uh, on my list at the moment that I'm, I'm getting through. So go on. Which I have got Nigel Tassel's boot sale. Have you seen that one? I read it a few months ago. It's very very good. I read it in January around. Yeah, um, yeah that I got era. that. I got that. A couple of weeks ago, so uh, I've, that's on my that's on my list to do next, and then in between uh, in between doing book number two. Oh well, you might as well reveal what is book two. <laughs> I don't think I could at the moment. It's basically going to be about like footballs cavaliers, players that have turned up at clubs, and whether it be one year or over ten years, have basically single handedly won that club silverware or you know sort of think Steven Gerrard for Liverpool and Robin Van Persie Man United in in his one or two seasons he was there do you know what I mean yeah well Watford have had a few Uh, we've had a whole book written about them called Rocket Men Uh, Barnes Kenny Jacker there's loads of players in Watford's history although Watford have famously not won anything of note we've come close have you heard of Robin Friday? I need to speak to. Is it um, Gwigsy? Gwigsy, yeah. yeah. Paul, was it named Paul McGuigan? Yeah, and Paula Hewitt, who is Paul Weller's mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I read that book about two or three years ago, and I t- and that is an absolute cracker. That was it, the, the best footballer you've never heard of. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I'm... Um, I'm not much a fan of alcohol or booze, but the Frank Worthington passing recently. Uh, brought to bear the fact that there was an era of just mercurial cavalier players. Um, Stan Bowles, Rodney Marsh, Glenn Hoddle, yeah. Gascoigne. Um, I mean, there's loads, but they don't make them anymore. And if they do, they're, they're found in, like, Akin Fenwa level. They're athletes now, aren't they? Yep. They're not, they're not, they're not um, just people that were really good at football. No, um, they, they start at a young age now, and they're... Um, They've got a pathway to first team success, and I wish Watford would promote some young kids. Uh, we do have some. We've got a full international for Trinidad, who's in our twenty threes. We've got a guy called um, who's the guy at Accrington, Cassidy. So we've got some very good young players, but they're not Premier League level worthy. So we have to ship them all out. In fact, we had James Garner earlier this season. Oh yeah, from uh, United. Yeah. yeah, he's at Forest now, isn't he? Yep. Which I think he'll he'll do really well there. He might move permanently, but he was United's Young Player of the Year, so he might well yeah, stay at I United. Mean, I, I think I think he's earmarked for if he doesn't if he doesn't start blending in next season, it, I'd imagine it would be the year after. It seems like he's been in, in and amongst the the under twenty threes forever. Yeah. Um, so if if he if he doesn't have another season on loan next year, it wouldn't surprise me if he's part of the. Uh, Sort of the the league cup team, if if you will, if uh, if that even still exists. Yeah, because <laughs> it uh, might not. It's, that's the the football league run that, and isn't it incredible? We're talking just before it, but Spurs have put in a caretaker who is twenty nine years old, albeit he's an England international, so he has played at Wembley. Ryan Mason, 
And he's coming up against the Manchester City team uh, in his first game in full manage, full caretaker management. It's just whatever Spurs are doing, it's... It's just bizarre. Yeah. I just just cannot believe it. it. It it can't just be that they've just decided to part company because Mourinho would have been all over that cup final um, on Sunday because he loves the League Cup as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the timing is just... It's mind-boggling. It really is. The Spurs famously haven't won a cup for it. Is it over ten years? Is it two thousand eight? Spurs last won a yeah, cup. Yeah, two thousand eight. I yeah. think the last one was. Yeah. 